0: So there we go. Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. My name is Michael and we are here tonight with Chris and Mark. And we are going to be doing Detention Live, our bi-weekly, every other weekly, fortnightly, however you say that, loose format, TTRPG talk show. Uh, Welcome to everyone watching now or in the future. Uh, So, Mark, you are our special guest tonight Uh, for those who may not... Of course, happy to have you. Uh, but for those who may not know you, give us a little introduction. Who is Mark in the role-playing game world?
1: All right. So um, I, I'm Mark Craddock. I run the Cross Planes blog. I've run it since 2012. Um, it's dedicated to a lot of making monsters, and a lot of the OSR, some fifth edition, and Savage Worlds. I like a lot of systems, so I, I kind of go through cycles where I'll create stuff for it. Mm um i'm gonna be 50 soon i've been uh role played i was kind of a late bloomer in that i didn't actually start playing until i was a sophomore in college
2: okay
0: Um,
1: yeah but but i've been a dm for most of that um right now i play in a regular fifth edition game that's that's a lot of fun uh i wouldn't mind playing some more OSR stuff but right now we're pretty invested in 5e so i'm i i I don't rock the boat right um i run i run a uh store comic book world my family owns it we have a two stores in kentucky my oldest daughter runs one and then i run the other um nice. i kind of have a I, i'm really lucky i mean i get to do you know something super fun in my day job and then on the blog which i also do publishing on drive Through rpg Cosplay game studio
2: hmm.
1: um you know I, I get to make blog posts and I made a right around 15 to 20 different PDF products so um yeah, you know, I'm. I count my blessings every
0: day. Well, I'm very happy to finally get to meet you face to face. We were chatting just before we went live. I actually have I have uh, been to your store. I have been a customer. I've purchased things at your store. I had no idea you were the one that ran it. I don't know if you were there that day that I bought stuff or not, but I do remember the store. Uh, That's awesome. And
1: uh, comic book world.
0: Yep, Comic World in Florence, Kentucky is the one that I went to, Uh, and I bought the Forbidden Lands box set from from you, uh, which is the game I I very much enjoy. Uh, Joining us tonight, as always, is Chris, Chris, the the regular co-host. Chris, go ahead and say hello to everyone. Introduce yourself as well.
3: Uh, Hello, everyone. Uh, Besides being the normal co-host here, I get to be the GM on the Redemption podcast, the Star Wars AP. Oh, cool. Still waiting for somebody to prove me wrong that I'm not the longest running AP. Well, not me, but our show. Somebody can prove me wrong, I don't know, I'll, I'll buy you a blue milk someday.
0: <laughs> uh, and of course I am Michael, I am the host of the RPG Academy and kind of the ringleader of all the various things that we do. I uh, just want to take a quick moment since I have everyone here to remind everyone that we are doing a giveaway of the alt cover copy of the Van Rickens Guide to Ravenloft. Once we hit 600 followers of the channel, we are currently at 539, so we're 61 away, uh, we're going to give a copy this way to one of the people who follows. If you are a subscriber, you get double entries. Uh, currently, we don't have that many subscribers, so the odds are still in pretty much everyone's favor, I guess. Uh, but yeah, so all you got to do is follow the channel uh, to be entered. Once again, once we get 600, and then once we do that, we'll probably schedule another giveaway with whatever the next book Wattsy puts out or something like that. Um, but welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for joining us tonight. We're going to jump into things as we always do. We start with what we call extracurricular And this is just talking briefly about what we're up to recently, things we're enjoying. Uh, It could be long walks in the park. It could be the new Loki TV show. It could be a CD or, you know, I don't, I don't, or CD's a thing anymore. I'm old. Is it Spotify now? I don't know. Uh, The music you're listening to, books, TV, whatever the case may be. Uh, Chris, I'll actually start with you tonight. What have you been up to, buddy?
3: Oh, it's been a crazy last couple of weeks since we last talked. Um, Finally getting back to working out a little bit. Did that before the show i can barely lift my arms so <laughs> where have my fingers been could be real interesting yeah. uh still doing some tabletop uh simulator with you and a few other people mm-hmm. um which has been fun on a different note uh boy these are all this tough things for me to talk about so give me a second on father's day i got i got the Well, the positive part is on Father's Day, I got the privilege of hosting an Eagle Scout court of honor for one of my boys. Nice. It was awesome it went really well. Hour later, I get the negative news. Uh, One of the assistant scoutmasters went to go drop some stuff off at our trailers and both our trailers are gone.
0: Dude. Somebody
3: came in. Two padlocks off of them and stole them right from the American Legion and brought daylight. Oh, man. Oh. I I was pretty, it was rough on me because we have a camp out in two weeks and it's our big camp out of the year. And we didn't get to do it last year. And my first thought was, what are we going to do? There's all our camping gear. We did some, you know, talking online. I forgot that on one of our pages, a friend of mine who's a scoutmaster, another troop was on there. He called me up and said, hey, use our troop's gear. We're not going that week. We're going a couple weeks later. So we're covered for the, the short term. Um, we've done the police report. We're working on insurance. On a positive, though, I sat down with the boys last night and we talked. They're actually, you know, I guess, kind of in a unique way, excited to learn from it. And they're excited to try to get all new gear. Wow, that's the hard part. Yeah, we value this stuff at roughly between ten and fifteen grand that we lost. Wow, between two trailers, all the tents, the camping gear. To help with that, and this is the part that I have a hard time with. So give me a second. I already talked to you about it, Michael. Um, we've actually set up a GoFundMe account. So I'm throwing it out there to. You know everybody's listening. Any donation is appreciated. Throw us a dollar, two dollars, whatever. We don't care. We just have a goal. Um, if we can hit the 15 grand, that should replace all the gear. If we can get more, that then our plan is to take the extra and actually build a fence and hope that deters them. Putting in some new lighting, maybe a security camera. You know, depending on how much we can raise. So, right. Um, check my Twitter burlu underscore chris i posted it before the show i worded it like 20 times because i'm not i'm not good at these kinds of things so All right um, not the most positive but yeah it, it's what i've been dealing with I, I kind of a side note with that i've gotten to go on uh, tv twice with two different news stations uh, interesting to be interviewed and afterwards they're like wow you talk really well when you're in front of a camera and with the microphone in front of you and seemed to flow pretty well. I'm like, ah, you know, I, I kind of do this podcasting thing yeah. and I kind of,
0: Were you wrapping a redemption shirt on TV?
3: No, I went with the Boy Scout uniform. Oh, uh, well, felt...
0: yeah, I guess that makes more sense. You know, brand loyal, but it would have been nice to, you know, maybe like underneath the brown shirt to see a redemption top.
3: I didn't think about it. Uh, I, you know, we are trying to spin it into a real positive. Like I, I've had a couple different boys get up and also do the news reports and talk to the reporters and, talk to them okay before you go up there just realize you're just talking to the person don't look at the camera don't get freaked out if you mess up your sentence who cares it's not live yeah just start over they're gonna edit it you know just kind of walking through them it, it's been a unique process uh, at the end of the day it's gonna be a positive experience there's just hurdles we have to overcome right now
0: yeah i had a chance to be on a, a local tv station for a Catacon a few years back they had me on their morning show like 7 a.m. or something to talk about it and I was terrified uh, it went okay but yeah I was, I was terrified. Alright uh, so Mark we'll go to you next. What are, what are some things you've been up to recently you'd like to talk
1: about? Um, so I had a big day today I, uh, I don't know how many people if you, how into comics you are uh, but I was able to buy the first appearance of Wolverine both Hulk 180 and 181 and the first appearance of the Punisher today uh, that was pretty cool so, nice. Um, oh, yeah. I I get to, I, like I said, I have a, I really enjoy what I do, both for a living and, you know, as an amateur, and uh, that was pretty cool. We, uh, my my the founder and owner of our company, Paul, who's my father in law, um, he retired in November. So while I worked with him for twenty years, now I'm getting to do this stuff by myself, and it's pretty fun.
2: Mm-hmm. Nice.
1: Yeah. I
0: I actually owned the first appearance of Wolverine at one time. And I I also owned the first appearance of Morbius uh, at one time. And then I lost my entire comic collection from a flood. I'm Um, so sorry. Oh, my God. Every now and then I'll go into a comic shop and I'll see a a wall, like like premium comics on the wall. Like, you used to have that one, you used to have that one, you used to have that one. They're all worth hundreds, if not thousands of dollars at this point. Uh, And I have a collection. I I started recollecting again later, but I missed out on some of those. Right. You know, premiums I did find I actually went through my comics maybe about six seven months ago it's on the YouTube channel I, I just pulled out my boxes was just going through them on yeah. camera and I do have the first appearance of Gambit oh uh, okay
1: yeah yeah that's, and, a, and a
0: buddy of mine he has the first appearance bucks. of Deadpool yeah
1: that's that's probably close to a thousand at this point yeah he he looked uh. it
0: up I mean I'm sure it's not Great, like we, I was in a box sure. in my basement. I'm sure it's like a five, right? But it's still kind of cool. I mean, I have a bunch of things that I love, but out of everything I have that right. could be worth something, that's probably my highest value comic at this point. But that's I'm awesome. sorry, yeah, I kind I of hijacked would... your section.
1: Oh, there. no, that's all right. I uh, these were graded. There's uh, there's three companies that grade comics, it's PGC, uh, PGCS, and PGX, and so these were graded, mm-hmm. uh, which makes the whole process easier because it's a very I mean, in terms of what they're selling for, where you know, when you're buying ungraded books, it's kind of based on you know my eye as a collector and your eye as a seller. So, right, not a collector, a a a seller, you know. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah. So, uh, it's pretty it's a pretty good day. Nice. I'm pretty happy. All right. Well, That's very cool. cool. Anything else you want to share? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm probably late to the party for a lot of people, but I've really gotten into, um nominate publishing with uh, Godbound and worlds without number and stars without number okay and uh, I actually ran a one shot of God, Godbound about a week or so ago and was really really impressed uh, I'm impressed with everything they've done but I uh, I really that's a variation on on the OSR rule set that I've come to really enjoy a lot in a very short time and right now if you go to crossplanes.com, which is my blog, you'll see that I'm doing a lot of stuff for
2: it right
3: now. Right. I smell right. a trial. I smell a trial. <laughs> I'm just saying. A what? A trial. Michael could host a okay. trial of it and showcase it to the world.
0: Yeah. So a trial oh, okay. is, is when we do an actual play of a game we've never played before. Oh, gotcha. So yeah, we All can right. we can talk about that offline. Uh, we are always looking for more more things to do. Right.
1: That sounds great.
0: Excellent. Uh, so I have a, f- a few things to cover. Uh, some good, some in the middle. It's, it's kind of weird. There's a lot of anxiety, but I'll start with Action 12 Cinema, of course, which is a role-playing game that I'm currently designing. I did a complete second draft over vacation. It went so much easier than the first draft. Uh, I think it's such a better game at this point. It's written a lot better. I turned it over to my editor, and now, again, my kind of you know, it's like pushing my baby out of the nest type of a thing and hoping it'll fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my editor uh, had a baby like seven hours ago, roughly. Uh, so they've told me it may be a while before they actually get around to looking at it, uh, which I completely understand. But then that just m- sort of maintains this level of anxiety that I want someone who's actually a professional to look at it and go, this is good or this is bad, and give me feedback and not just people I know that, you know, I'm sure they're being honest, but there's still that. We're friends, right. you know, kind of rose colored yep. glasses, kind of thing. So, yeah. uh, so I have to wait a little bit longer. Uh, right. the big news mm-hmm. is a catacomb. So, we have been talking right. about this literally for months and 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 months. So, I'm almost ready. <laughs> I'm trying to draw this out. So, here's the plan, but the plan has already gotten derailed. The plan is. We are going to have a Catacon this year if enough people will show up to justify it. So the way we're going to determine that is the way we've always determined it. We're going to have a Kickstarter. So the, the goal right now is on July 1st to launch a Kickstarter for Catacon 2021. It has a goal of $7,000, which is roughly half of what we got back in 2019. But it's enough to do everything we normally do at the base level. So there, it might not have all the bells and whistles that we usually do, but it will have the rooms, we'll have all the stuff we need to do. So as long as $7,000 worth of people are willing to actually show up and play games with us in November, we should be good. Here's the hiccup. The Kickstarter campaign was not approved by Kickstarter. I got the email back today that said, sorry, your, your campaign is not approved. And I don't understand why, because it's the exact, I basically copied and pasted the text from the last one we did. And this would literally be the seventh one of these we've done. We've done six previous Kickstarters, all mm. for a convention. So when they sent me the message, and it was a form letter, but it, you know, it it had like, we don't allow this, 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 or this or this. We're none of those things. So I don't so I I sent them back a message. I'm like, I'm there's clearly a misunderstanding. You know, maybe I maybe something I have in there isn't written correctly or something. Can you please tell me specifically what the problem is so that I can either change it or explain why it's not a conflict? And now I'm back in the waiting game of when will they get back to me? So the July 1st date may not work because I may not have gotten it approved by then. Uh, so stand by, I guess, uh, further notice, but, uh, Right now, the plan is to have the event if enough people will show up so that we can afford to have it. So, And that's really the way it's always been. Uh, but just with the COVID thing, uh, it's a little bit more of a concern. I, you know, roughly about 60% of the people that I've talked to said they would still come anyways. So we're kind of planning on a smaller attendance this year than in years past, but we should still be viable at that number Uh, So the Kickstarter just, as always, gives us a chance to make sure we have enough money to pay for things before we actually have to pay that money to someone. Because once I sign the contract, I'm in for all that money, even if we end up canceling later. Uh, So it's just nice to know that enough people are showing up. Uh, And then very quickly, I am going to Gen Con. I did end up uh, getting an Airbnb, which was reasonably priced. I have my badge. Uh, So I'm going to be there, but I'm the only person from the Academy going. So it's going to be a very interesting year this year. I won't have our uh, hotel night hangouts and I won't have any of the events that I'm running, which are usually some of my favorite things because this year with Gen Con, you have to be part of a group before you can run events. Um, I I might try to run some pickup stuff Mm -hmm. of Action 12 Cinema, but uh, I may also just play a bunch of stuff. So. Anyway, all that out of the way, I guess it's time for us to jump into our first improv game. And this is 10 Things. And this is an improv game where we will prompt one another in turn to try to come up with a list of 10 things that fit the prompt. Immediacy is more important than accuracy. So a bad list done quickly is better than a good list that takes a while. Now, Mark, you are the guest. So you can go first, second, or third in terms of giving the items based off the prompt. So, do you want to? prompt someone first or do you want to be prompted first
1: I would rather be prompted first
0: all right so I will prompt you then you will prompt Chris and then Chris will close the circle and prompt me uh I'm a big fan of names so the name of your uh comic book store is comic book world correct
2: Correct. Mm-hmm. All
0: right. So give me 10 different names that you could have named your store or might have named your store in a different world. So alternate realities, what are 10 different names for your comic book store?
1: Things from a different world. What? Uh, my mom threw my comics away. Two. Two. Uh, Black Star Books. Three. Um, Three. Central City Comics. Four. Um, Professor X Comics. Continuum.
0: Five. Um,
1: Five. Empire State University Bookstore.
0: Nice. Six. Uh,
1: Lat- Latveria Forever. Seven. Um, seven. Hold on. I'm sorry. Um, you know, uh, the. the uh, I'm blanking. I'm sorry. No, no. Uh, Shadow Cats Comics Eight. and Book World. Hey. I Eight, think. Uh, and. Uh, the Dragon's Horde. Nine. And um, the Witch's Regret.
0: Ten. Woo! That, in Yay. fact, was ten things. Great. You did fantastic. You did great. Uh, Thank you. So now you will prompt Chris to come up with a list of ten things. they can be whatever you want okay. them to be.
1: All right. Uh, the name of ten magic swords. Oh. Ooh. That's a
3: good one. Uh, Excalibur. One. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's go with uh, Holy Avenger. Two. I got the Sun Sword. Three. Uh, Michael's Quick Wit. Four. Let's see. Uh, We'll go with uh, Lucky Strike.
0: Five.
3: Uh, Death Strike. Six. Uh, Short Stabby Thing. (laughs) Seven. Uh, let's see, throw me, I'll come back. Eight, and uh, this end that way, (laughs) nine, and uh, maybe I like you, maybe I don't.
0: Ten, woo! That was in fact a list of ten things. All right, Chris, late on, my brother.
3: All right, I'm gonna stay with the comic book theme. Let's go with uh, Michael. Give me a, a list of ten. Of uh, beauty products used by superheroes.
0: Okay. Oh, uh, wow. Well, uh, God. I'm trying to think of adamantium stilettos. Does that count? One. Um, One. Shadow cat Blush. Two. Um, or a Concealer. Yeah, Shadow Concealer. Uh, Rogue's Rouge. Three. Uh Wolverine's hair gel 4 That's a brand name not uh ownership. Um Hulk ball busters, it's like a cup sort of thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, um Stormbreaker body spray, like Axe body spray, but yeah. Um 6 Um oh, Colossus has got to have like a, a sunglasses Brand of some okay. sort, Seven. Ruby Quartz sunglasses, of course. Blue like red blockers, not blue blockers. Yeah. Okay. Um, how many is that? I don't even know. Seven. Seven. Okay. Uh, I'm just going through combo characters. Oh, um, Professor Xavier's hair shine. Eight. Uh, uh Quicksilver foot, uh, uh, fungal foot powder.
3: <laughs> nice.
0: And uh, Scarlet Witch's um, rosary. Bead necklaces. Choke- oh, ch- chokers. Chokers. Definitely chokers. Yes. Yay. Dang, that Yay. was, in fact, a list of 10 things. Thanks. All right. Good job. So now we're going to move into used books. And this part of this, the show here, we're going to let Mark take over. Mark's going to talk a little bit about a campaign that he has either played or ran in previously and the idea here is we're going to try to mine some, of, some something out of this story, think either things that went really well that we could take to our own tables, or maybe something you tried that didn't work well. We try to figure out maybe what we could do differently, or maybe avoid those sure. at our own table. So, Mark, take it away. Tell us a little bit about this campaign you wanted to share.
1: So I ran out of the abyss, which I think was maybe Watse's third campaign for Fifth Edition. Okay, um, it starts out in the Underdark. You actually start out as slaves of uh, the drow and um, you quickly kind of it, it was what was interesting is there's also these other um, slaves and each of them were were, were really well fleshed out uh, fleshed out one of them believed he was the avatar of bow for instance okay um, which which what was cool there is I was able to kind of I was able to kind of turn him into a long-term nemesis who they were really unsure about Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, was he really the avatar of Was he not? Um, I did find, though, that after, I think by about fourth level, uh, started at level one, uh, the only campaign I've ever run from level one to level 20 it was pretty sweet. Um, but about, about level four, we were all a little bit tired of the Underdark. It was hard to keep explaining interesting grottoes or caverns or pools. So we, uh, we went up, and at the time, I I was reading, I guess, I think I had read The Sundering which was w- Wizards of the Coast, you know, kind of fixing some of the Forgotten Realms after they combined it with Abbeer. And um, so I'd read uh, some of the more recent uh, Drift novels. So I I kind of took some of that material. There was a, they ended up like uh, becoming fairly embroiled to the, a community of a, of a uh, fort town, um, And then, weirdly enough, I guess I'm allowed to say this, I also playtest for Wizards. And so I had, I was playtesting at the time the uh, Storm King Thunder. Okay. So I took a little bit of stuff from it because I was, I mean, I liked the draw, um, but I didn't want just one enemy throughout. So Mm -hmm. we, uh, we kind of eventually had the... The giants kind of entered this battle for this um, this this town, which was a, kind of the only um, trade uh, trade center within a fair amount, because it's uh, you know on the sword post, coast close to windale that kind of stuff. Not the ten towns, but close. And um, we did a lot where you know the there was a lot of paranoia because we had uh, we had drought infiltrating the city we also had the threat of giants approaching um it it, we so it was kind of nice we turned it into an urban game for maybe about 10th or 12th level um which was kind of neat to go from underdark to wilderness to urban um what i was finding out uh i made a few bad assumptions i kind of thought challenge rating works the same way in fifth edition that it worked in 3.5 or 3.x whatever uh and it doesn't um and i started learning that i think our group was four players but all four of them were very they were not min maxers but they learned to play their characters really well okay and when you've got that combined with my misunderstanding of challenge rating most fights were were pretty easy and they didn't mind it, you know, because they're having fun. But right. I, I kind of was, you know, getting to that point of why am I even wasting the resources if it's not even really wasting the resources? Right. Um, one of the things I did is I started tinkering with Monster Design, um, which I didn't do in quite a bit on the blog. And so I started working out mechanics where even though Bloodied wasn't a condition in fifth edition, I took it from fourth and hey when this happens this ability goes off it it gave me the chance to kind of flex my muscles um eventually we have the the drow and the giants you know run basically destroy the town but they were able to get a lot of people out and they um they we kind of then took the survivors to a nearby location i don't remember what and i apologize
0: no no worries it's
1: been a it's been about seven or eight years um and then we kind of transitioned the game over to Waterdeep, where, so, having felt like we'd exhausted everything with the drow and the giants, I always was very interested in running a terrasse. I always thought that would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so knowing that we were 12th level and we, I had enough to get us to 20, um, I started basically, I, I discovered that Bahamut and Tiamat had a third, had a brother. Um, and I can never remember his name. I believe Charlie, Tiamat I think Steve might, Steve. It might be, yes. yeah. Steve. Um, Chad sounds like a Chad, so what, what, yeah, something yeah. like that, yeah. So, what I basically did is, I since since they had played a lot of them had played the um the Tyranny of Dragons campaign, I didn't, I didn't run it for them, but a lot of them had played it, and since they had prevented uh Tiamat from coming back. I kind of created a group of uh, chromatic dragons that were very upset with her. <laughs> and so they came up with a plan where uh, they assassinate her. And in Ooh. in their, the, the ritual, when it destroys her in the, uh, let's see, she's on Avernus, I believe. They kill her in Avernus and that allows them to bring her, their brother uh, back. And I just basically had his name mean Tarrasque. Hmm. So... You know we that's glossing over a lot of stuff because they were real involved. I even I've always been really interested in Dragonlance. Uh, mm-hmm. I've never really played in Krim, but I've read a lot of the novels. So, for a period of time before this, Ray was actually one of their enemies. Uh, he had had the ability to get away from Tacticus, who is you know a form of Tiamat for me, and uh, so he was in the process of finding the various items that actually is. Who assassinated Tiamat? They eventually had to. uh, So they, once he assassinated her, they were able to track him down. But at that point, they bring Taras back, and so they're having. Unfortunately, the the flaw in the thing is the Taras was not a very good enemy, Hmm. and that's somewhat my problem as not understanding the action economy and not being fully aware of what some of my DCs can do, especially at twentieth level. Right. You know, I as a player, I don't know that I've ever played past eleven or twelve. Um, so I, I played you twelve know, one all time.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. So we, I actually played through Curse of Strahd, where we ended at eleven or twelve. Hmm.
2: Um,
1: but yeah, so you know, I, I really liked a lot of my ideas as I was approaching different different levels of the the D and D multiverse. Um, but, you know, I look back now and go, man, I could have done this better. I could have done that better. But we all had a good time. But I really enjoyed, um, you know, for me building some myths to my my multiverse. And so what has been cool is since I play with some of the same people, um, whenever I'm running a Forgotten Realm game, you know, what I've done in the game is the history for that. Right. I don't overwhelm people with it. I don't, you know, but like, you know, eventually they kill the Taraf and a Charlotte in, in my multiverse becomes the new, uh, chromatic dragon. Right. Um, and so, you know, different things like that. Uh, but you know, like I said, I, I really regret that I didn't understand the math better. Um, and I, I, I guess looking back, I wish I would have written a little bit more down so I could be more specific, uh, <sighs> instead of just, you know, um, I used to do a lot more world building than I do at the moment. Uh, and, and that was, Kind of in the middle of that phase, so it worked really well, um, and uh, you know it was just a good game. I and we just you know making it the twentieth level. Uh, what I I don't know if either of you are familiar with Shadow of the Demon Lord. Yeah. They I think in the lead up to the fall of the town, they stopped three or four demon lords from appearing, and what we decided is we were going to play it next. Um, basically one of the demon lords they shoved through a portal and then dropped a nuke on him a, a, a gnome nuke essentially um and what happened was the game essentially their souls the souls of their 20th level characters are going to that world to deal with the effects that they they created essentially mm-hmm. by shunting i think it was gravit uh to this world and so they start out as you know they go from 20th level guys to these they to the demon lord guys and you know it was was fun you know obviously i think sometimes it doesn't come maybe my explanation is is not the best and i apologize no no
0: i I think you're doing um, you're doing fine i do want to step in because i'm watching our stream yeah and um my internet's terrible. I mentioned all the time, but we're getting some fluctuation on the quality. So I don't know right now if anyone is even watching, but if you are, it's probably looking a little stilted, but we're going to carry on because uh, I still will put this on YouTube and it'll still go out on the audio only, but I'm not sure the stream is actually doing very well right now. Uh, so there were several like things it. that you talked about that I would like to pull out and maybe talk a little bit about, but I want to give Chris sure. a chance. Was there anything that you wanted to, to comment on or maybe ask about uh, in The campaign mark was talking about
3: first i'm a big fan of shadow of the demon lord
1: it's awesome isn't it yes Yes.
3: it's a very good system i really like it
1: have you had a Um, chance to take a look at shadow of the weird wizard not yet so he's Uh, play testing that right now it's pretty sweet yep
3: i understand that's the family friendly version
1: it is yes Ah. it was going to be shadow of the mad wizard but uh, there was some concern about insulting people with mental illness so we went a different route yeah
0: yeah, I, I don't know sure. Rob well. I won't claim that we're friendly, but he's been on the podcast. He usually comes to a catacomb. Um, so we have played some Shadow of the Demon Lord. And That's just awesome. the idea of him trying to come up with a family-friendly version of his game is hilarious right. to me. It is. Uh,
3: uh,
1: I agree.
0: It, he's actually supposed it's to be right. on the show uh, July 21st. He's the scheduled guest. So I'm hoping that by then we awesome. might be able to do some announcements about it. But I don't. that'll That's be up great. to him, of course.
3: Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Uh, the other thing... Uh, I like mixing IPs. So you talked about Forgotten Realms and Dragonlance. I do that a lot. Yeah, it's just fun for me. I I might, I might change the name, just so the players don't catch it right away, but, or if they even catch it at all. But to me, it's fun to mix that stuff in.
1: That was about the only downfall is that. So I'm I'll be I'll be 49 this year, but most of my players were in their mid 20s, so they might have a cursory understanding of Dragonlands, but not much
3: what a shame they should all read it i agree but maybe that's just because i grew up reading them but uh the other thing i i like the idea of setting a goal of hey at the end of this campaign let's kill the tarasque or attempt to kill the tarasque i mean that's a neat concept to do i've never played a game i don't think past 10th or 11th level either except for the time we started with 20th level characters, because we wanted to actually play that epic level game. Right. And we learned very quickly that once you start fighting some of those epic level creatures, things go bad quickly. They do. Or they go really well quickly. It's right. There's not a lot in between.
1: uh, No, there isn't. And it, I really, well, I'm really glad that wizards is making so many beginner products because we have so many new players and, we want to attract new players. I really feel like they should get level 15 to level 28 a little love and give us, you know, if nothing else, just an adventure path.
3: Yeah. I don't know how many people really have the attention span for that.
1: That's fair. And I will say that was kind of in the background. Once we hit 12th level, I just basically started running monsters. I always wanted to try. So mm-hmm. I got to deal with illicit. I got to deal with beholders, which it was really nice.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, i guess i mean you could take d d throw out the experience concept and just do what shadow of the demon lord does and every time we play you're gonna level right. up with the next game just so you could get that experience but right you might put a lot on the gm you,
1: you, i agree because i've actually contemplated doing that but i still struggle with the math a little bit um so i i've kind of i still haven't taken that plunge
3: not even the math you you have to think about okay this character is going in this direction so i need to put this type of magic item in there to help them
1: right that's another good point
3: there would be a lot of planning unless you play like a a marathon eight hour session once a month right then it would be feasible but otherwise that that could be a little rough
0: so i'll jump in here just because i have a particular take Mm -hmm. on this i'm i'm the person who likes to run really slow games where you don't level like hardly at ever and Right. I do like the idea of leveling every session. like there's a part of me that thinks that would be fun, but here's my reason why I don't and feel free to disagree. this is more for the audience. But especially in D D, not every level, but some levels, and I like to play wizards, so I'm gonna be a bunch of spells, is I want to play with my new toys. Like I don't want to get right. to the third level and get my new second level spells. And don't even get to use one because of the way the campaign works out. And the next level or next game, I'm fourth. And before you know it, now I have my third level spells. I never even got to use my second level spells. And, you know, same thing like abilities and powers. I want to have time to to play with all my toys before I get new toys. And that's my biggest issue with leveling up so fast is that you're constantly getting new toys and you don't get to play with your old ones. And I get I'm probably in the minority, especially how slow I like my games to progress. But that would be at least my pushback on the idea of leveling too fast is let me play with these new abilities before you give me an, another one on top of it. But again, I apologize. I digress. And, and I, yeah. No,
1: no.
2: That's
0: in a our sure case,
1: uh, we only play about a max of four hours, three to four hours. And so that is something that kind of informed my decision not to bring it to D&D because there is more system mastery than there is in shadow. Yeah. And, you know, while most of our players are, are pretty involved, we have a few casual players and they already kind of feel a little detached because, you know, somebody's telling them not to use their spell or whatever. Yeah. I mean, we're lucky our group's really good. There's a lot of respect, but, you know, uh, and, and while I did use milestone in D and D, I, it, I agree there would be a disconnect and I weirdly, I actually like I ran Dungeon Crawl Classics a few years ago and when we got done with the uh, uh, the funnel I was like, I would love to just play these little guys, you know I don't mean little, but you know they, they yeah. aren't heroes, you don't use. I mean, I, I've created a setting that's very much um, inspired by Lockmar, which I've only read a bit of Libra's stuff, but I always think it's kind of neat to be the underdog or the city rat who's just trying to make it through. You know, uh, yeah. I, I I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, Fair. Also, a big fan yeah. of Warhammer's Old World, too. So. Yeah, you know i
3: I commend you for mixing all the different stories in and. Thank you. Going from the underworld up, yeah. I, I'm that the was guy Interesting. I'm, I'm the guy who's not the biggest fan of the drow, but to me it's just because they're i don't like how kind of one-dimensional they're written
1: sure and i respect that immensely um you know i think in my case so uh, you know i didn't start playing guys in college and i think the very first AD&D product i got was menzo barrenson
2: mm-hmm. but we
1: didn't okay. we didn't play a lot of dnd um i started playing with champions fourth edition and we went from a a citizen that I learned that I could do anything to a DM of ADMD second edition who wouldn't say yes. So until I discovered the OSR, I really didn't get the appeal of D and D because we didn't get to enjoy rulings, not rules. And we didn't get magic items and stuff like that. We just kind of got, he just was a very tough DM. And I'm sure in his mind, he felt like he was making his own stuff. But in reality, we just didn't enjoy the game. Yeah. Uh, but that's, I, you know, now that I'm older and wiser, I can go, Hey, I should have just said, Hey man, what are you doing?
0: Right. There's a lot of dials okay. in this, could be, you know, for any role-playing game, but I think D&D is, you know, mm-hmm. particular that, you know, one click over might be perfect for this group, but a different group might be three right. clicks this way. And, you know, maybe that's yeah. what that DM was used to, or I mean, mm-hmm. I said that I was a terrible DM for many years. Like I just awful, but I thought I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. This very well could be what this person really? thought they were doing as well. Uh, I, I one,
1: think so, yeah.
0: But one thing I wanted to comment on, and th- you know, I can tie this back to comic books, is about you know the drow. I'm also not particularly a fan of them, but I think that there's an opportunity there. Much like a comic book character, sometimes a comic book character will be introduced and they're a little one note, they're a little hacky, but then the right creative team takes that character and they pop. So the drow being kind of one dimensional is an opportunity for someone to make them their own and not worry so much about how they're written by the book and say, these are going to be my version and give them depth and make them interesting. But you have to enjoy one, wanting to do that and two being good at doing it. But there's certainly an opportunity to take something that is lesser, my opinion, and making it great through what you bring to the story.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I think also, you know, it's weird. I and maybe through the history of AD and I think Drow has probably been overutilized, especially once you know Salvatore started getting published in his novels and Drift became a breakout character. Um, so I, I I definitely agree with those observations.
0: So Chris, again, anything else you wanted to touch on? I keep like I keep interrupting. I keep asking you, then I interrupt. Oh, so just you know, ignore me.
3: No. Uh there's a lot to unpack and and what you talked about because i mean that was such a long campaign i don't know too many people who have successfully done
1: that so i I think it was 14 months which looking back on it i you know especially coming out of a a, an epidemic you're thinking how did i even have the time to do that hmm. you know um and and it it, i tried to recreate it and thus far it hasn't happened so you know, we'll see. I, I hope one day to say I've it, done it twice, but it, I don't know. Um, yeah. I guess. And especially as I move, you know, I've been playing fifth edition since next. Uh, and so that's like 2012. And as much as I like fifth edition, I'm a little tired of it. Not in a bad way, just I've always been more of a, I mean, the OSAR taught me to love D&D and I think better understand it. But I've always had a passion for other systems. Um, So, you know, but we have what's wonderful for the first time in my case. I have a group with two other great GMs. So I'm getting to play a lot more than I ever did. And that's been really rewarding.
3: Oh, that would be nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is nice. I get to the end of the week and I'm like, I don't have to do anything but sit down and roll some bones.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's most GMs, like a little minor fantasy. (laughs) Right finding a group of other gms then just uh, yeah teaming,
1: it, it, uh, we um aj and, and david are, are the two dms in my group and they're just spectacular right now we're running we're playing through uh avernus about the boulders gate one where we're we're now in avernus and i think we just hit 10th level so
2: nice. and
1: we started at we started at level one because i died my my original pc was a I Clarice, said he died in the very first session. What are your thoughts, Michael?
0: Uh, so there's a, a couple. One thing I wanted to ask, um, you already touched on it, was like, how long did it take to go 1 to 20? But you already covered that. But I, then I wanted to ask about the characters. You know, how many character deaths did you have in that where people had to bring in new characters, or did the same characters actually make it through the story?
1: So we lost one of the players had a wizard that, and I believe it was first level. Um, they found a book, and it was odd. If you turn to a certain page, there was a a glyph, and he just happened to say, "Hey, I'm flipping through the whole book," and I'm like, "Okay," and <laughs> and I read nothing. I mean, he was so low level that I went negative to his hit points. Right. Um, but otherwise, out of the six players we only had seven PCs because he then made a bard who made it all the way. Hmm. Um, And so I think my philosophy has changed a little bit and partly because of that. I've always, so I didn't read a lot of fantasy growing up. I read comic books and enjoyed action movies. So I always was very much about as a DM and especially with the other DM I dealt with who was so, hard on you right I wanted to get the players feel spotlight you know the spotlight is about them Mm -hmm. um and what I ran into is I really enjoyed making it about them but because again I I was having trouble with challenging fights you know I tried to move us a little bit away from that because I just didn't understand why I'd waste an hour of game time if they're just gonna you know walk right through it right um i felt like i got better at it but i still struggle with it when i'm running fifth edition i mean a lot of times thankfully our group can go they'll enjoy combat or they'll enjoy role play and i find that the older i get the more i i kind of just gear towards role play yeah. um and, and that's cool too you know but at the same time you know maybe if i've had a bad week i just want to sit down and kill some monsters and take their stuff you right know? Just, I, I think it's not just your group. It's also what day of the week it is and how your week is Right. Yeah. No, I completely understand Uh, that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I don't mean to keep harping on the TR, CR thing. It's just, I guess I still struggle with
0: that. Well, I don't think it's you struggling as much. It's, it's pretty much an open secret. The CR doesn't really work after 12th level in fifth edition. And so it's, you're just, Right. Guessing, anyways, uh, and exactly. I, I'm very yeah. much a pro fudgy DM. So I'll just throw a monster. And I'll just keep sure. it adding hit points until I feel like it's been fun enough, to, and then I'll we'll kill you, or it'll kill you'll kill it. The
1: the best fight we had, I, I called it a rage monster that literally at each tier a new power would kick in, and they love that fight. That was yeah. they still talk about that fight, which is great. But I'm like, that's a weird, real, really odd way to build a monster. And I, I also. You know, when I used to run 2nd Edition, um, I never thought worried necessarily. You know, I was more organic with things. They're like, well, if they go into an area with a level 14 creature, that's did it. Um, right. But on 5th Edition, I've kind of bought into that whole, you know, uh, I don't know if being fair is the right, but they're very concerned about making the experience positive, which is great. I mean, I've been enough around enough negative gamers, I get it. Uh, But, you know, uh, I've kind of told my players that whatever I run next, we're just going to do a little bit of old school in terms of, you know, hey, we're if you guys go somewhere and it's out of your league, you're going to run or you're going to die. Right. Um, And, you know, and again, I think that's just different philosophies as you're playing.
0: Yeah. Uh, And this isn't directly related to what you said, and I apologize, but but it's something we haven't talked about yet. So can you touch on briefly what it's like to play test for Watsi? Like, how do you do that? Oh, sure. And then what does that kind of look yeah. like? Because we've never had anybody talk about that before.
1: Sure. So back in 2012, I had a, you know, I run a store. So I had a rep at Wizards of the Coast.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: it's weird how it happened. I went to Gen Con that, I guess, in 2011. And I don't know if you guys went, but they had a, a whole elaborate route setup, and you could get these dice. And I was missing like two of them. So I, you know, my rep and I had a pretty good rep or, you know, uh, relationship. Uh, so I was like, hey, not a big deal. Um, do you think, do you know if there's relief? But I figured if there were, they can just send me a couple of dice, you know. So it turns out they, those are hard to get. And he, we were talking and he felt bad. And he's like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put you in our friends and family program. I'm like, okay, that's fine, you know. But what that did is it, so I think next went live, if I'm not like saying May of 2012, I got access to it in January. Mm-hmm. And it was weird because I had just started the blog. Um, my best friend had moved to Florida maybe three or four years earlier. And our group, we've, we've been playing together since we were you our teens, but it, a lot of it wasn't very positive anymore. Uh, for various reasons um i kind of have the philosophy of if i'm if there's a conflict i'm at least 50 percent a part of it and i reached a point where i was like the amount of conflict we're having over something that's supposed to be our free time doesn't seem right to me
0: right it's supposed of to be fun kids
1: are, right and of course my kids are getting older and i just had less time so we had another instance and i just i just took a break uh and for a long time didn't think i was going to go back because uh, we were running stuff in store and i just I kind of lost my passion for it. Um, But we weirdly, when all this happens is I had been asked to join a pathfinder group. and I thought, well, I'll try it. And then we got the next play test. So basically, you know, they send me an email a couple of times a year, uh, give me a document. And then, um, you know, I, there's a survey you take. Um, You know, a lot of the mechanic stuff, you guys, you are or Unearthed Arcana takes care of. Right. Uh, it's just we get to see so there uh, from what I, I have gathered and I have seen this in action even things we play test might not make it to publishing mm-hmm. um, yeah. in, in fact in that campaign that I, I went from 1 to 20 we were using a monk subclass that no one ever saw again because it, it, it had this weird power where it could lay on, it, basically it could, it, it could grapple you you Could spend chi, and no matter what it was you grappled, regardless of size, it couldn't get up. Hmm. Uh, which made the terrestrial fight really terrible, by the way. <laughs> uh, because I didn't factor that, but right. um, yeah, you know, you get three to four uh, you know, PDFs a year sometimes, and you're just given a window. It's, I've done a lot of play testing, so it works pretty easily. Um, you know, there are they're real easy to deal with, in my opinion. Uh, we all have, you know, I, I, you know, I'm obviously not talking about anything recent because I don't want to break an NDA. I right, feel right, like yeah. since that was, you know, something from that's already been published is not a big deal, uh, but it is pretty cool. I, I won't lie. It's the only thing that I guess you can call a downside is by the time a product gets announced, I've already kind of been like, oh yeah, I forgot we did that, Yeah. you know, uh, which isn't a terrible problem to have, but it is a little weird. Uh, and we've gotten to the point, So it used to be whenever we would get the survey, you know, we would kind of share it and talk about it. But now most of us, uh, because so like right now, David's running when he's done, neither me or AJ will take over. We don't know what, but a lot of times we're no longer all looking at adventures because there's multiple people who might run it. Hmm. And so some of it is a little, a little different than it used to be. But um, but mostly what we get are adventures because the UA takes care of all the mechanics.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I think yeah. that's an interesting thing. I've, I've never had a chance to do that. And th- yeah. I would I, the way I run games, I'm so loosey goosey on mechanics. I would be a terrible playtester, anyways, because I wouldn't give any valuable feedback.
1: Not necessarily. And and you know, playtesting is a lot of times easier than people think because I I think a lot of people are just they don't think about it or they're a little nervous about it, but. Most, you know, like Rob Robert Schwab, you know, I've play tested him a Shadow, and I'm we're doing uh, Shadow of the Weird Wizard, and there's a, a fair number of people testing that. Um, so it's it, it, and it's also though, you know, the the big requirement is just having the discipline to go through those steps. Yeah. You know, like sometimes we'll not all of us can get together for a play test session, so we're just kind of trying to use as many of us as possible and. And not derail it from our main game
0: right all right well, I appreciate you you sharing that and sure. sharing your story and again congratulations sure. on the one to 20 hopefully it will happen Thank again you. but also you know so. play other games because other games are fun too right. they are. All right, uh, but we need to move on. We're going to jump into Where Have My Fingers Been? This is our second improv game. In this game, we are going to prompt each other once again to instead of come up with a list, then we're going to prompt each other with a short scene that we will play out using our fingers as puppets. But it's very important that you sing the song first, uh, but I will teach you the song before we go. But once again, Mark, you are the guest, so would you like to go first, second, or third in terms of performing the scene? I think
1: I'll go third.
0: Okay, so then you will prompt me, I will prompt Chris, and then Chris will prompt you to go last. So you're going to basically give me a a prompt of where my fingers have been, and then I will act out that scene, but we have to start by singing the song. So, where have my fingers been? I said, where where have my fingers been? All right, so now you will prompt me, sir, to come up with a scene where my fingers have been.
1: I'm sorry. Um, no, no, no worries. The New York, the New York sewers.
0: So, uh, why
1: did we come down here again?
0: I tell you, man. I heard that there are like these giant alligators that get like flushed down the toilet. You know, like when kids get them for for uh, Christmas or whatever. Christmas, like who gets alligators for Christmas? Dude, shut up. You know what I'm talking about. They made a movie out of. it. Yeah, it, it's a movie. It's not real. It's right over my shoulder, isn't it? Yes. Ah! And that's where my fingers have been.
1: There you go. Yeah. All
0: right. So now I will prompt Chris for Chris to do a little scene, and then we'll finish it. He'll prompt you. So, Chris, go ahead and sing the song, sir.
3: Okay. Uh, where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been?
0: Your fingers are in an autopsy where it appears someone was eaten by a giant alligator.
3: Well... What do you think, doctor? I think he was eaten by something. Really? How can you tell? Well, all we have left is a foot and a finger. Brilliant deduction, <laughs> Watson. Thank you, sir. By the way, I'm not a doctor. What? I just stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> and that's where my fingers are been. Oh, that's
0: forward. bringing it back. Wow, that's a that's a callback there.
3: For the older folks in the crowd.
0: <laughs> yes, excellent. All right, so so Chris will now prompt you, Mark. So now, now you get <clears>
1: to sing <throat> the song. Okay. Where have my fingers been? Where have my fingers been? Perfect.
3: Awesome. Uh, let's see. You are uh, two high-level characters who happen to have walked in on a uh, two goblins arguing, and you've decided to commentate on it.
1: Um, they... Uh they think that that turd is a gem. Yeah, what's up with that? I think they're stupid. Well, yeah, I mean, they're goblins, but you know, it's, it's a turd. Is, is that one listing the turd? Don't, don't, it's their culture. You can't be like that. You know, we're supposed to be more enlightened. She's eating poop. I mean, poop? Hey, hey, what? Um, why are you eating poop? I thought it was a gem it was a gem. I mean, he he's not ignorant, or he's ignorant. He's not stupid. Uh, why why are you guys standing there? Well, we don't we don't want to kill you because well, uh, but yeah, we're uh, we're observing. Uh, we're 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 scouting the situation. We heard there's a don't don't tell him while we're here. Oh oh, oh. yeah we're leaving. okay. We'll be back.
0: And that's where your fingers have been. Yay! That's where my
1: fingers have been. Yeah! All
0: right. Fantastic. So we'll move into the last part of the show. This is called cryptos, sure. cryptozoology. And this is where we talk about a monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually this is something fun for the edition, but it doesn't have to be. And uh, We talk about ways that we may have used this monster in the past, what we think is interesting about the creature, and then we try to brainstorm some ways that we could use it in the future. Maybe it's some interesting sure. twists. Uh, Mark, once again, you are the special guest, so please tell me what monster would you like to talk about tonight?
1: So I chose the Wendigo. Um, I, the Wendigo is a, a legend from uh, the first people of North America, uh, I think more towards the Canada region, but I'm sure it bleeds over into you know the United States, where um, if if a first if a person commits cannibalism, this spirit of the Wendigo, which I believe is a wind spirit, enters into them and they they become cannibals. Um, uh, there even have been like like I remember at some point in Canada there was a a man who had in in the grip of winter eating his whole family and he he was charged with being a wendigo and uh i'm sure you know faced a fairly steep penalty uh, my introduction to it is interestingly enough with the hulk 180 and 181 in those issues the hulk is fighting the wendigo which is a cannibal and a person who has to eat flesh to become that in the canadian wilderness um but i've always found it you know it was very lurid to me with the whole cannibalism and uh Uh, from the comics he's a big white dude who who's furry and you know can fight hulk and wolverine at the same time uh but you know that the cannibalism part the man eater uh you know weirdly enough there's a spider-man issue called like the wind of the wendigo where it's just about like peter parker is dealing with weird things happening and they they kind of give the illusion that somehow the that wind is uh is affecting his life in New York city in in that issue. Um, and I, you know, thought fifth edition had it, but it didn't, but I, I'll I'll plug a buddy of mine, if it's okay. Uh, Eric Bloat who does dark places and Demogorgons, has a cryptid manual that, that is fantastic along with his other stuff. And, uh, and, you know, if you've watched supernatural, I know there was a grief of, uh, the first season there was an episode about it. Um, I always thought they were really, uh, really kind of interesting
0: but i think they call it a wendigo like well it's supernatural they gave it like i'm sorry no no i think you're right and that's what i would say is a wendigo but i think it's supernatural they pronounced it wendigo because i remember thinking that was like a weird pronunciation but i'm from kentucky so i'm probably wrong anyways um as am i yeah but isn't there also in like the current version of alpha flight there's a wendigo which is basically like a hulk it's like a gamma infused
1: yes uh it's gamma flight which actually number one came out today okay um and i forgot all about that because i'm so i'm really behind in al ewing's run but so far it is the best hulk story i've ever read and i really enjoyed peter david's run in the in the 90s mm-hmm. um he just bought brought a whole new dimension of horror and i forgot all about that
0: yeah because uh, i've been reading it it's the, the immortal hulk it's amazing uh, it is amazing. It is so yeah. good. But we're going to talk I about agree. the Wendigo or Wendago or however the heck you say yeah. it.
1: Whichever, yeah. Yeah,
0: whichever uh, in D&D or role-playing games, not necessarily D&D. Sure. Uh, so, Chris, have you ever used a Wendigo or a Wendigo sort of adjacent creature in any of the games that you've ran?
3: Yeah, not necessarily a straight up a, a Wendigo, but I have done, I, I run a lot of horror mysteries. Uh, it's just kind of one of the things I like as well as star wars but i've run it where they've gotten clues that a, a monster is eating people and they've been hunting it and then you know spoilers it turns out the person that actually hired them was actually the one doing it all he was actually a cannibal but he was actually replacing he had to replace body parts and eat flesh to stay alive because he's immortal and he's just going from town to town doing this and they finally figure it out Okay, that's cool. It, it was a pretty unique story. Uh, it was that was a lot of fun to try to keep. Hey, look over here, but this right. is what's really going on. You know, the whole magician thing. What system did you use? Uh, the last time I ran, I didn't shadow of the demon lord. Oh, okay, cool. And I actually used the orkin filter out of there. Mm, it's very right. similar, as far as replacing body parts. But I, I've done that a few times. I like that idea it really throws players for a loop mm-hmm. unless you get players who are really good at investigating. Then you have to really start when they really start asking questions about what kind of bite marks can I tell what kind of creature was chewing it? Like they really get into that in-depth stuff. And then you run into the game balance of how much do you mislead them? How much do you let the dice determine it? How much do you let them turn into CSI where they're sprinkling baby powder and super glue and they solve the mystery you know that kind of stuff. Like I said, I haven't used the exact Wendigo, but I've used something like that. What about you, Michael? Have you used I, it before?
0: I have never used the a Wendigo specifically that I can recall, and I just you know thinking of it, it's, a, it's an interesting choice for a monster. I think because by its very nature, it's kind of an evil thing. Like there's not a lot yeah. of ambiguity mm-hmm. with. You know, is this thing evil or not? I mean, I guess you could argue that, like, in a survival situation, you know, like that the movie Alive, and you get a plane full of people, half of them die from the plane crash, the other half, it's either cannibalize, or die. Are they evil? Right. You know, I, I would argue that in that case, they're not. But I think the curse of the Wendigo is specifically someone does an evil act. And they become right. the windigo. I don't. So uh, maybe there is a moral gray question there. That maybe someone that that could be the interesting thing is someone becomes a windigo, but they claim that you know it wasn't an evil act. And you know, do you come to their aid? And you know, maybe it becomes a trial. You know, the classic. Uh, you have yeah. to try to convince a jury that this person, though they're an evil spirit now, got there innocently somehow, right. or or it was a mistake. I didn't do it, but the the windigo win- picked me or thought it was me. I don't know. Um, so I'm trying right. to think of some interesting ways to use it, but I've never have actually used one, but Mark, have you used Wendigo before?
1: I have. And um, it was in D&D. Um, they were probably four. No, they was they didn't have third level spells yet. So what I basically did is uh, kind of tied it more towards elf, what elf culture, uh, not to parallel what elves to, First people of North America, but uh, you know, I felt like what else were, I, in my opinion, I could I could expand folklore in a similar way, hmm. and so um, in their case, there's a uh, there was a there was an agreement with a town with a village where uh, the villagers could you know cut a certain amount of wood. Uh, that was some agreement they made over the last decades, and those people that were cutting the wood started, you know, being killed and mutilated. And so they had to go in and figure out what was going on. Um, you know, um, it, it was probably a little more action-oriented just because of the nature of D&D. Uh, but they, you know, they did have to deal with the diplomacy of the wood elves in the forest. And the wood elves were led by a a, a treant. Um, and so they had to negotiate there, and then they had to they ended up finding some corruption amongst the humans, uh, and it was just kind of a, I was sort of laying the groundwork for this sandbox a little bit, where there are, you know, there aren't easy answers to some of these questions. right? But, uh, yeah, so um, the wood elves in, in the, so they had been infiltrated by um, some kind of cult. I think it was now, I don't remember. They were infiltrated, so they were exposing that, you know, and and the Wendigo was the catalyst for all of this.
0: Right. Yeah, I definitely think it's an interesting... Uh, I, my goal is to never just have something that's just a bag of hit points. Like, there's there's something to it. Sure. And when I run combat, sometimes sure. it's just a bag of hit points. That's the way it works. But I try to think yeah. of some yeah. ways. And so the, the first thing that came to my mind here is... So the players come into this Arctic or this, you know, wintry type place, secluded area. And much like, you know, we already said, there's probably been people disappearing, body parts being found, but there's already an adventurer there, like a big game hunter sort of thing, who is all excited yeah. about hunting this fabled creature and is really super excited about it. And it turns out that they have manipulated things to create one because they wanted to hunt it so they are actually oh. the bad guy of the situation and at some that point goes- in time the players use or have the ability to use like a speak with the dead and right and then have that thing the the, the dead person say i forgive you person who ate yeah. me and uh-huh. break the curse of, awesome. of the wendigo because once the once forgiveness has been offered, that would right. break the curse. I have no idea if this is true or not, but it's my version it would be.
1: It doesn't matter, yeah. And so the,
0: so the big game hunter then becomes the bad guy outright because they're so infuriated that they right. can't capture the windigo, and that's who the players would end up fighting if they actually followed the investigation down that line. They wouldn't have to, but sure. uh, can you think of any other ways, Chris, that you might use a windigo?
3: I like the wind spirit kind of thought. So it'd be kind of neat to describe things as this wind comes in and the, there's not much left of the body and then it leaves and they have to kind of figure out what's going on. I think the Windigo is definitely set up for a mystery.
1: It's yeah, not I really going to be that.
3: something that you're just going to throw out there just to go kill and go collect treasure. Because sure. what's their motivation? It's probably to hide, try to seek a way to break the curse which that could be a neat one maybe somebody isn't a wendigo all the time and yeah. they they come to the party and say you know so and so cursed me please help me break this curse and they have to find a way to break the curse yeah at the same time they, they, they have to keep the windigo from not eating everybody
0: yeah well and there's there could be a way um you know, I, I think the traditional story is that it's tied to cannibalism. But there's there right. you could take that and say like maybe there's a fey spirit that curses people for other affronts. You know, and, th- and they could be petty, sure. like very petty right. Right. offenses. And like half the people in this village are wendigo now because they don't keep, you know, whatever the the ancient laws of the fey and they don't like pour salt out before every meal or something. You know, you could take it almost right. humorous. But you could also make it serious where if you're greedy, if you lie to your best friend or if you break your marriage vows, like there could be this whole thing of you become a, a cursed creature by breaking uh, mores or laws that maybe these people aren't even aware of anymore.
3: Or you could have the, the kind of crazy Fae who thinks she's the most beautiful creature, but everybody spurns her. So if you don't like my flesh, I will make you crave everybody else's. Yeah, that's excellent. I mean, that's a really kind of twisted way, but,
1: but we then, like then the party
3: has to go figure out, the party yeah, has I, to go I, find that creature.
1: Yeah. I find I, I kind of unconsciously always have a slight horror bent to whatever mm-hmm. I run, which is weird because I've never, like I don't, well, I read horror books now, but I never used to read or watch horror. I was always very scared of it. But I, I if I'm not really if i'm letting my mind wander it's going into a dark place yeah.
2: so
1: I, I, for the adventurers to deal with right, right.
0: i, I kind of again there are no fifth edition uh official wendigo stats but i think definitely i would kind of skin them like uh, pardon the pun uh skin them like a werewolf where they again they aren't yeah. the wendigo all the time they probably have regeneration like i don't I don't think you can actually kill a Wendigo without breaking the curse. They, they will always come back at some point. So they could be a very frightening and deadly enemy if you do want to go a very combat heavy way. You know, you could literally have the players, I'm thinking Rhyme with the Frostmaiden now, out in the middle of the you know, wilderness. It's snowy. They're lost. They're not in civilization. And this creature attacks them every night. And it comes back at full strength the next day. But slowly over time, the characters are having to use all of the resources. They're not getting full rest because it comes back like every eight hours. And this could be like a very frightening encounter for a high-level party where they start off thinking, ah, right, fireball it. Boom. No, no problem. Go to sleep. And then it shows up in eight hours before they've had a full rest. And now they don't have fireball anymore. And, you know, and it could be like a really slow attrition where it becomes deadly, on the seventh version of this creature coming in. And so by the time they finish traveling to the far side, now they're at their weakest state and then they have to deal with the investigation side of what is this thing? Where is it? Cause if it comes back tonight, we're kind of hosed. Right. All right. So Mark, do you have any, uh, yeah, like any other ways that you might use it in the future?
1: So um, one of the things that I looking back kind of, wish I had thought of um it could be aside from just dealing with with the curse of the Wendigo in some way it could be an interesting way to make the players have to get their first magic item whether it be a weapon or something like that you know um and I you know I had not thought of the the fact that it's like the curse of lycanthropy um you know I can also you know, a lot of times, I, so with the store, I run a lot of demos, and I have an adventure I run that deals with a, a hag. Um, it would be interesting if instead of a hag, though, you were dealing with maybe a pillar of the community who is trying to end this curse, but doesn't, you know, doesn't know how to do it, and, uh, you know, lives with the guilt, but, you know, maybe can't even kill themselves. Maybe they've tried like an immortal Hulk you know, um, where it's, you know, and if you could, my, my brain goes to, they can go find a magic weapon if there's no other way to end it. But again, I think that's a little more combat oriented. So, right. uh, you know, I, I really, it would be neat to kind of change the environment. Uh, I understand why the, 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 the tundra, the frozen forest works, but it would be really neat to, um, you know, just um, you know, a bog or or desert or something. You know, kind of play with expectations because I think so many people are, if they've heard of the Wendigo, they're they're expecting, you know, you know, the a setting being cold. I think it would be really interesting to, you know, with the bog, um, you could stumble upon where they hide their bones, and uh, especially if they're if you're in a bog and they are not always the Wendigo, they could become that, you know, crazy person that lives out there. And, you know, there's some reputation, but in this case it's real. And maybe they're out there trying to sow the the, the rumors to keep people away um, because they know that they can, you know, cross X distance when they're a Wendigo and they're just trying not to kill people if possible.
0: Yeah. Uh, I just had a last thought and it's only loosely tied yeah, here. Me too. Uh, Okay, I'll I'll let you go as well. Um, Some sort of magical, like a magical sword that, uh, like legendarily will not kill an innocent person. Like if you are innocent, you will be unharmed. But it's just a lie. And then the rich people use it to sentence poor people (laughs) to death. It's like, you know, they blame them for the crime. Like, well, if you're innocent, you won't be harmed. And then they just strike them down. And so, you know, at some point... In this story, the blade would become infused with the magic that actually does that. Because like one of the heroes would stand up and say, well, I'm innocent. Um, But again, I don't have a full thought out flesh idea there. I just, I have the kernel of a sword that won't kill an innocent person just to see what you could do with it. So Chris, what was your thought?
2: I
3: like that. This would take the right party. But you could have one of your players somehow get cursed. Oh, wow. slowly... They begin more and more encounters. You can, and you could play with that as a GM of, you know, okay, Michael, you walk into the bar and you start to drool because it's a packed bar, but you have to go in here to get such and such information. Can you resist the urge? Mm-hmm. That would and be just cool. build that up. Again, you'd have to have the right players. I understand sure, that. Because sure. not everybody's going to want to play around with the curse, but you could have that. And then the rest of the party has to, you know, find a way to keep them, you know you know their their hunger, you know, in control and keep them from turning into this horrible monster. Yeah, I, I do and like that. At the that. same time break the curse.
0: Well, and I can you know, we kind of talked about at the beginning, like I would never want to take a player's agency away and say you have to be a cannibal so that now you're the wind right. But if you have the curse being from other things, like you know, like an affront that right. you're not aware of, like I didn't I didn't recite a certain prayer before I entered this temple. I'm cursed now. And I do like that where it slowly builds. And if they do succumb and they do take on the flesh of an innocent person, like they they consume the flesh of an innocent person, then the curse is unbreakable. So you have to find a way to break the curse before they succumb to the temptation, which could be purely role play, or it could even be like a mechanic, like, you know, they have to make a con save or a will save, or, you know, it keeps getting like one harder each time or something. That could be a lot of fun. But yeah, I think that was my initial hesitation of having a player focused Wendigo is because the association with cannibalism. But if you change it a little bit, I think that actually, actually could be a very cool encounter and very like a, like a two yeah. or three shot.
3: Yeah, it'd be similar to yeah. vampirism as you slowly yeah. start craving that kind of thing. Like I said, it would be a slow build. Mm-hmm. And, and I would throw in things like you start realizing, you know, that the smell, you can feel your, you know, your strength, will be imbued like you start feeling like things are going to change you know in your body if you do this so it'd be similar to vampirism but Mm -hmm. just using candles
1: how cool would it be if you if it would say your party's paladin and a more of a traditional paladin and it they get cursed because of somebody you defeated and to end the curse then they have to decide if they can work with this at least morally gray person who you know is gonna is gonna be their only because you know how many people know about when to go don't Wendigo. to right. go. Uh, it would be real interesting to challenge moral uh, assumptions and and you know really explore you know what what you know they and their god believe and what they're willing to do and, and I always when I think of a of a traditional paladin, a lot of times I feel like. They're, they're real sharp on things like they're not they're more zealots than uh, yeah. i'm not saying they're not good people but you know lawful good in the in a certain extreme to be just as dangerous as chaotic evil right. you know right um uh, you know just and i always like we don't usually do alignment in our games we usually do consequences of actions, but i always like i always like exploring assumptions and and also looking at culture and folklore and such
0: right uh, and then it said, one last thought, the idea, I mean, again, maybe the paladin would be the perfect person to get this, where the, the curse is slowly building, and then you get to a position where you're about to be attacked by this overwhelming force that's going to kill everybody, so the paladin could choose to purposefully consume the flesh to invoke the spirit so that they can then defend everyone else. It's like, that, it's like a version of a sacrifice, like I will allow myself right. to become this cursed creature to protect everybody, but then I will have to live with this curse mm-hmm. forever. Uh, right. That could be a fun, you yeah. know, kind of a, almost like a superhero origin, super villain origin story kind of a right. thing. So, all right. Well,
3: it,
2: it, yeah, it's very cool.
3: Go ahead. It could be fun too, because think about as a player, if I described to you, Michael, Hey, you walk into a bar and and you could almost hear the heartbeat of somebody as you, you, you start to drool and, your first thought more likely is going to be vampirism. So sure. it'd be kind of right. fun to watch the players try to cure vampirism and go to, I'm going to go to this temple and cure vampirism. And the, they do it and they go, ah, uh, it didn't work.
0: Right. <laughs> right. You can see your you reflection. Know, your Garlic be doesn't enough. matter.
3: Yeah. yeah. yeah that could that, definitely... It'd be kind well, of it... neat to just see how many different paths do they go down before the players go, I never even thought of a Wendigo. Like, <laughs> yeah. who thinks of
1: that? Yeah. Like, well, and it would be neat too to, to deal with the fact that their allies let's say within the church or whatever you know they are so guided by by these decrees that they're even being hunted by their own you know their own brotherhood or their own yeah. church uh it could really uh, and meanwhile this person has no idea what they did and it has done good things in their life i'm not sure what's happening
3: i think we've gone for hours
0: yeah, yeah, but I, this was this <laughs> yeah, was very fine. interesting. So thank you, Mark, for bringing that to the table. Uh, so the stream is still going wonky. It's, yeah, it's a great idea. It's sometimes green, sometimes red. So okay. I don't know if anyone can watch. I don't know if anybody is watching, but we will at least throw out the question for audience Q and A. If anybody would like to ask any of us a question, it doesn't have to be role play game related, but it certainly makes sense that it would be. Now's the time. So while we're waiting for the delay to catch up, Mark, where can people find you if they want to interact with you on the internet? Where can they find your blog? And where can they find your store if they want to go buy some stuff?
1: Uh, So Comic Book World is in Florence, Kentucky, uh, 7130 Turfway Road. I have another store in Louisville, Kentucky. It's on Shepherdsville Road. Um, So that's www.comicbookworld.com. So Cross Plains, my blog, uh, it is crossplains.com p-l-a-n-e-s dot com uh and i have a facebook page for it uh on twitter i'm at some sort. big sundar fan um and you know I look looking so cross Plains comes from the fact that i always like pulp and i always like mix you know mixed genre stuff mm-hmm. and robert e howard was born in cross plains texas p-l-a-i-n-s so that's where i get the, the name from right um But, uh, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I'm always, uh, I'm always glad to, this was great. I cannot thank you guys enough for letting me come on here and talk and share ideas. This is phenomenal. You guys are great. Well, thank you. I I
0: appreciate you uh, joining us. I really appreciate it. Uh, I thought you brought a lot to the table. It's it's always fun. Uh, Chris, where can people find you you. on the internet?
3: Thank you. Twitter is the easiest. Uh, It's Berlu underscore Chris. Uh, Otherwise, you can hear my velvety tones on the Redemption podcast on a regular basis or here.
0: Yep. Every other Wednesday, we'll be here at 9 p.m. I I don't know who the guest is for next time yet, but again, we do have Rob Schwab scheduled for July 21st. So if nothing else, come back for him because he's a riot. I love Rob.
1: He is. He's spectacular. Yeah,
0: so I can't wait to get him back on the show. Uh, and of course, my name is Michael. Most of everything I do can be found here at the RPG Academy someplace or the other, except for Farm to Fable, which is my Smallville rewatch fancast, which we were just about to start season three. So if you like the Smallville TV show or are willing to give it a shot, I have a, a whole podcast dedicated to rewatching every episode of that show and talking about it. Other than that, I'll be here. And then Monday through Friday, about two o'clock on the Eastern time, I've been playing old video games. I played as a kid. I'm currently playing through Shining Force uh, from the Sega Genesis. I'm about halfway, maybe at this point, 60% of the way through the game. So um, thank you, everyone who's watching now. If there is anyone, I don't know. The stream seems kind of be weird. Uh, but if you're watching in the future on YouTube or if you're listening um, through the audio only, if you have any thoughts on any things we talked about, if you've used a Windigo, if you have ideas for using a Windigo, or if you have ideas about interesting ways to use the drow. please let us know comment on the question or on the the post or hit us up on twitter and talk to us there so thanks and everyone good night thanks for listening to the rpg academy podcast we do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors welcoming more people into this community all of our website content will always be free to use and utilize but there are expenses related to the show and if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or RPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy. Or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show, because honestly, that's enough. Thanks, and remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time.